This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So, you know, what what comes up a lot in this podcast about helping you get over your fear of horror films through exposure therapy via Wikipedia Mm. synopsis is our respective careers which have nothing to do with film uh yours mm. particularly being a lawyer yep and that's correct and not a film lawyer You're... like it's, it's it really has nothing to do with film <laughs> so as as a lawyer you're aware of mm. a practice called cross examination and that's correct. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, I am. I am. That's right. <laughs> now, now, cross-examination, as, as far as I understand, mm. is instead of me going, hey, here's all these things I think you've done, it's about me getting you to admit the things by playing sort of wordy mind games with you. And also, so yes, so j- just if I can go a bit meta, you're actually doing a very good cross-examination now because <laughs> you're asking me yes, no questions. You're doing, so this means this, is that right? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, like Shag, yeah, like yes, sorry. And, and, and a good witness will do the opposite of what I just did. If you ask a yes, no question, you just say yes or no. And so much of your time as a litigation lawyer is saying, shut the fuck up. If you're asked a yes, no question, just say yes or no, or I don't remember. There are only three available answers. Hey, I, I wanted to, like, because I'm enjoying this cross-examination heaps, but before I go, mm. why is it okay for people to say I don't remember? Because it's clearly they remember. Well, uh, it just sort of is. It's sort of all, all, all you're going to put before the court. And, and, like, one of the things is in these commercial disputes, you're often dealing with people who are, 95% honest in their business dealings and so just take a 95% honest approach to life and judgments then they don't often come down to say McMully's a liar they come down to say McMully's behavior in the witness box uh, appeared to me to be evasive and it struck me that he only answered questions clearly when he thought it was in his best interest to do so which meant that uh, I would only accept evidence from Mr. McMullen if it was backed up by uh, external documents or was against his interest. So I don't remember he's not a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it's better than saying something dumb is basically the short, the short point. This was still part of the cross-examination because now, <laughs> now you've just shown that if you say I don't remember, we'll know that that's evidence against you. Oh, what a classic cross-examination <laughs> trick. <laughs> the old trick, the old psych. <laughs> a few good shags. <laughs> all right, okay, all right, okay. So I put to you yes. that the last couple of That's episodes of Spooko... Sorry. You, you, yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> sorry, yeah, you put to me. I put to you that the last couple of episodes of Spooko involved a heavy amount of 
retelling the contents of the book by a rapper, Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent. Is that correct? Yes. And I put to you that the coverage of this was not objective, but was quite subjective and, in fact, very much in favour of said rapper and his, uh, I guess, approach to life. Okay. Is, is that okay? Is that a yes? You, you heard my answer, didn't you? <laughs> well, I heard an okay. I wanted a yes or a no. Well, I mean, it's so difficult to... So, uh, look, I'll give you a yes. And sorry, and this is where the judge comes in and is like, Peach, you fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's how you get an evasive witness. They start being like, oh, what do you mean by that? But sorry, yes, to answer your question. Yeah, because I was going to say, uh, I'm going to use a paraphrase quote of yours. Mm. This is the best book I've ever read. Uh, did you or did you not state that in the previous two episodes of Spooker? I don't recall. <laughs> yes! Yes, 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 yes. So I'd, I'd like to direct the witness to mm-hmm. a recent interview with 50 Cent in which he expressed his desire to vote for Trump purely on the back of Biden's tax plan. And I just, I just, now I just want to break the fourth wall and think, Peach, mm. that's got to be a bit of a deal breaker for you. Yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty tough times, I'm going to say. <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't, like, when you, considering everything you've told me about his book so far, yeah. it's not unexpected. <laughs> it's not extremely unexpected, but I was quite heavily invested in living that 50 life. Like, I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> and his, like, his final chapter is like, oh, Look, you know, I think now a lot about legacy and a lot about giving back. And the first thing he says was, I don't think it's enough for me just to say I give back by being an example of what it looks like if you work hard and make a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Which is his original view. He's like, oh, me being successful is enough giving back. (laughs) Every time I buy something expensive, it inspires someone. (laughs) To want to be like me, <laughs> which is the most like insanely convenient approach to charity I think I've ever heard of. Um, oh and my then god! Like, Look, one day I was in Lagos, right, and yeah, someone served me some chicken I didn't like, and it distracted me. And I was like, "Look, get me today's per diem," and it was thirty thousand in cash. And I was like, "Get me today's per diem. Drive me out to the hood, right?" And so they're in they're in Lagos, and I'm super embarrassed. So I don't know what country that's in. I'm going to say Nigeria. Out of a lack of I'm pretty knowledge. sure it's the it's the it's one of the biggest cities in Africa, and I'm pretty sure it's the capital of Nigeria. Okay, sick. And so he's like, I just threw cash out the window, the expensive car, and I was like, that felt really nice, but it sort of inspired like a mini riot. And I was like, look, I want to give back, but I want to give back in a way that's not quite so damaging and terrible as driving through an impoverished neighborhood throwing cash. And so. He dives into all his foundations and all his stuff and he's like, oh, look, for some people I'll be remembered as like a chart-topping rapper, one of the greatest of all time. For some people I'll be remembered as like a groundbreaking TV executive who was part of the golden age of TV and really ushered in a new way of doing it. But what I really want to be remembered for is like giving back to the community and being super generous. <laughs> he won't be remembered for any of those things. I know. Especially the TV thing. He'd be like, you made it into club. 
<laughs> I love how it's like people will be like, yeah, TV production credits. I know everyone's always asking me about it. <laughs> and so... To then, yeah, to then, to then hear him turn around and um, endorse Trump, it's just problematic, and it's not merely problematic because he's such a filthy capitalist, and we are, as we've decided, an anarcho syndicalist slash socialist podcast. Um, mm. But it's just fucked. It's just one bad bloke endorsing another bad bloke, and it's just bad news. I mean, I can't think of a better metaphor for capitalism broken down than a rich man <laughs> driving through a poor area literally throwing money at poor people and letting them fight over it yep almost almost for sport because he feels bad he's like i know what i'll do mm. yeah instead of Terrible. instead of thinking no i like i yeah anyway anyway so uh like i'm, I'm a firm believer that uh you you're allowed to vote what whichever way you vote right like but at the, by the yeah. same token, if you voting to the right is inherently selfish, mm. and I'll I'll explain why. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can look after yourself. There's mm. nothing wrong th- than choosing yourself over the other people. And I'm pretty sure, mm. like your hero Gary V would be like, you've got to look after yourself first, right? So, like, uh, Gary V almost <laughs> definitely votes for Trump. <laughs> but like, I mean, like, let's let's not pretend. If you if you go to you know, like, I work in. I work in advertising. I'm, I, I like to listen to the messaging of things. And if you listen to the messaging of left-wing versus right-wing parties, at its very broader yep. strokes, it's do you want to help other people in the community yep. or do you want to help yourself? Yep. And when the world's going okay, when everything's okay and you're in a bubble where everything, everyone's sort of on the same plane, yep. there's absolutely nothing wrong with voting for helping yourself. Like, why the fuck not? Yep. But when the world is fucked... And the people in charge are kind of fucked. I think it's actually ethically pretty bad to vote for yourself rather than voting for everybody else. So sure. this I is why I totally endorse these. our disendorsing. <laughs> <laughs> so all I wanted to say is yeah. I'm so fine with us disendorsing Fifty Cent on our podcast. I think Fifty Cent's done. Yep, and so I'm happy to happy to wash my hands of uh, uh, not my favorite book, but a book I enjoyed, and I, I don't I don't think I can walk I can I don't think I can walk that back. Certainly enjoyed it, uh, but now I enjoy it with a grain of salt, and a, and one of the some of the salt comes from a couple of tears shed about the ugly turn his life has taken. Well, look, uh, I just wanted to send a few messages to make you feel better. Yep. First of all, a friend of the pod, Luke, was like, Peach, you should get into Pop Smoke. He sounds exactly like 50 Cent. Sadly, Pop Smoke passed away this year. He didn't even make his 21st birthday, which is so sad. Mm. And this is actually one of the most fucked things I'll ever say, but he's almost someone you can stand because I scanned the internet and he never endorsed Trump and now he's never going to. <laughs> so, so, so standing pop smoke now is going to be okay. You either die a hero shag or you live long <laughs> enough to see yourself endorse Trump. <laughs> also shout out to Tara. You put a note up on our Insta about how the fact that, you know, we read this article and now like basically fuck 50. Yep. And, Tara sent in this message being like, phew, as soon as we heard the news, my husband was like, what's Spooko going to do? <laughs> I love that. So Tara's husband was like, oh, does this mean Pinch and Shag? <laughs> like a bait and switch right wing podcast. In fairness, uh, I suspect horror is the most right wing genre of all. 
Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. I think, I think you have to be very careful, but speaking of mm. being careful as well, and this is, uh, this is a, this is a more serious point mm. again, like so many friends of the pub, uh, big shout out to Kelly. Yes. What's up Kelly. So Kelly sent us a scary image for you to rate, right? And mm. gave it an eight out of 10, but was like, hey, I don't like calling them spook ratings only because a friend of mine recently told me about the sort of some of the problematic history of that word. And as soon as oh, I heard fuck. that, I was like, holy fuck, what have we done? We've called our podcast Spooker. We didn't it. Like, because I did some, don't get me wrong. Like, let me explain where mm. the name of this podcast comes from, right? Like, it's it's just a term Adele and I used to use when something scared oh, us, right? fucking hell. <laughs> That's literally, and, and so we were like, oh, Spooker, you know, we Googled it and didn't see that much. Okay, no, no, Peach, Peach, this is actually okay. But it's one of those things where it's just good to be mindful of things, right? Yes, yes. I was like, oh, holy fuck. Thank you so much for letting us know. I'm going to Google yes. this right now. Found this really good NPR article. It, it, was, it was one of those things where it's always good to learn more, right? And yep. especially in Australia, we could often be in a bit of a pre-progressive bubble. No. Like for anyone not in Australia, Google Hey Hey on Saturday blackface. It might be one of the most atrocious things that ever happened on Australian TV. Or you can Google the Kentucky Fried Chicken West Indies ad. Like, do you remember oh that from two thousand five? Oh my god! Then that was that was from like only like twenty years ago. Yeah, like fifteen years ago. Oh. Okay, yeah. So Australia is not the paradise. It's sometimes yeah, we are the sometimes worst. people like Bruce Springsteen say we are. Um, <laughs> what? What, is, what did the boss say? Oh, sorry, go go go. Oh uh, no, because he said he said if Trump wins again, he's moving to Australia. Yeah, look, yeah, he's not like, going we'll, to move like to we'll have you. We'll take you. The boss, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> So, so look, so let me just paraphrase this article because I think I just think it's important mm. for us to acknowledge this and for you to hear this as well, right? Yes. Is this still the cross-examination, I should say? Because it's, it's sort of gone off no. track a tiny bit. <laughs> How fucking amazing would this be if this came back to the cross-examination? <laughs> That'd be the biggest psych ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, so spook comes from the Dutch word for apparition or spectre. Around the turn of the 19th century, and I don't know if that means the the end of the 19th yep. century or the start of the you. 19th I don't century. Know I'm with you. <laughs> but it, it it entered the English language as a term for like you know a ghost or something a bit scary, right? Mm. Over the next few decades, it developed other forms like spooky, spookish, and of course the verb to spook someone. Mm -hmm. And it lived a relatively innocuous life right up until World War II when the Tuskegee Army pilots uh, and specifically uh, the black army pilots mm. were referred to as the spook waff, which now wait, oh, that means if you translate that, that means ghost weapons. So at this point, it wasn't like a derogatory term. Mm. It was actually like, like it was a sick, it was like a scary thing. It's like, you're the ghost weapons that are going to like take on the Germans, right? Okay. But like anything, the moment it got linked to blackness, it then slowly became a slur. So just the term spook, right? So, and, and it has some like, like it's not, it's not terrible. Like it's not like an obvious, it doesn't get used all that much, mm. but there were a couple of, uh, there were a couple of things, notably in 2010, Target apologized for selling a Halloween toy called spook drop parachuters, which were literally miniature black figurines with orange parachutes. Um, okay. So what, what what's interesting about this, mm. th what, what happens is basically 
what this article says mm. is not that like you can't use the word spook or spooky or anything like that. What it does say, it's it's kind of like the word thug. So if okay. you if you if you start like if you call someone a thug or you say there's thuggish behavior, there's actually kind of nothing wrong with that. But for example, if you're like a right wing shock yok and you're referring to Sudanese youths as thugs, yes. all of a sudden that has loaded connotations, yes. right? And so it's the same way. So it's like, I'm just going to quote this article. Be thoughtful about the fact that spook now might have the connotation of referring to a black person in a disparaging way. So if someone says, did you get spooked? And there are no black people there and you're not talking about someone, then okay, of course that means it's, you've been spooked. Mm. But like the term thug, it's not a completely innocent word because of the way it's been used in the past. Well, I, I didn't know that. And I'm grateful to Kelly um, for them bringing that to... Um, our attention uh, and I, I think I'll just say in a fairly straightforward way I was not aware of that I thought of it for spies and stuff like that but but look I, I unreservedly apologize if it's uh, made anyone feel uncomfortable certainly if it's offended anyone or caused any sort of hurt of any kind I apologize for that unreservedly I'm also genuinely keen to hear what you think so if you have any thoughts mm. like I, I, uh, like I, I read that. I had to think about this. Like my first thought when Kelly messaged, I was like, oh my God, do we need to change the name of the show? Yeah, the blood drained from your face as mine just did. I was like, oh fuck. You know, it's that moment where, you know, because the more we realize, the mm. more we realize things that we thought were okay, maybe weren't okay. But yeah. I'm kind of okay with us calling Spooko Spooko still. Keen to know your thoughts. Mm. But anyway, anyway, I know what this podcast is actually about. It's about scary films. Peach, this one is a bit of a doozy. If what you're saying is we have to change the name of the podcast, you have to tell us the new name, right? You can't throw stones from outside <laughs> and be like, you have to change it. You have to be part of the solution too. I am a creative director at heart. And so I'm pretty, I'm pretty set on the name Spooko. But at the same time, if I hear a name that's better than Spooko... You better believe that like any good creative director, I will take that idea on as my own. <laughs> but yes, but yes, but yes. Okay, so today we are doing a film from Spain from 1999, which is called in Spanish, Los Sin Nombre, or in English, The Nameless. Mutilation, torture, the practice of horror as a way to purification, the sacrament of atrocity and fear. But if Santini was locked up, what the fuck was he so scared of? Of all the others, the rest of them. Oh, the other nameless. My dear Claudia, evil is the key. It opens doors. Give me my daughter. She's mine. I have no name. And Silence of the Lambs Part 2. I'm pumped up. Let's do it. <laughs> so I, I want to explain a little bit about why I wanted to do this film. So this came from a very pretentious time in my life when I decided <laughs> I only liked foreign horror films and that they were the only ones I liked. And if you asked me what films I liked, I'd be like, oh, well, mainly Korean horror. Like literally, <laughs> I know that sounds like a payout of like a hipster, but I would say shit like that. I was the worst human. But anyway, I discovered this film 
in the weekly section of the local sort of DVD rental store. Uh, it was called The Nameless. It had a pretty scary cover. Uh, it had, you know, the, the, the highest possible rating. You know, it had all sorts of, you know, quotes on the back saying it was incredibly disturbing. And so I watched it and... I couldn't stop talking about it to anybody who asked afterwards because this film is genuinely disturbing. It's pretty spooko. It's very... Uh, it, it is kind of evil. And it made me actually think about the the film that you're sort of still kind of creating or we're co-creating now, mm. I guess, Kinder. And we're co-creating not just you and me, but, you know, everybody who listens to this podcast mm. is that... You but know, they don't get any credits. Like, sorry, just to be explicit... When we say they're creating it, we mean in a vague, <laughs> a vague way. <laughs> well, we'll do one of those competitions where it, it sounds awesome, but actually it's completely fucked, where it's like, we might make you a character in the film. And it's like, cool, so I get nothing, like literally nothing from it, except a character has my name. Awesome sort of thing. Or you sort of make it as a favour. It's like, we'll do some shots at your house and it'll save us money on sets or something. <laughs> 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 so Kinder obviously is a film about a, I guess, a daycare or a kindergarten mm. in which uh, the children are brainwashed to do something. And I've said, you know, I think that secret, you know, that that core needs to be kind of evil. Mm. And for some reason, it made me think of this film. So let me tell you a little bit about The Nameless. So like I said, in Spanish, uh, Los Sin Nombre, it was based on a novel by an English novelist called Ramsey Campbell from 1981 called The Nameless. Now, we don't know much about Ramsey Campbell. He's he's kind of a name in the horror circle, but mm. obviously he's not like a he's not a writer who's transcended the genre like Stephen King. Mm. You know, like you would only know of him if you're someone who regularly reads horror, and even then you might not necessarily know of him. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a taste for Ramsey Campbell's writing. So I'm going to read you the first two novels he wrote. Uh, sorry, I'm going to read you the titles of the first two novels he wrote. Sick. And, like, this is a genuine question because I don't know in my head what, if these are amazing titles or, like, the dumbest fucking titles I've ever heard, okay? Sick. So the first book he wrote in 1976 was called The Doll Who Ate His Mother. <laughs> It, it, like there's something about the does what it says on the tin sort of quality of that of like well this is what the book's about like, there's something intellectually honest about that of like he you know he he is literally what is going to happen in this book. Well, here's the second one, and I don't know what's going to happen in this book. The second book is called The Face That Must Die. Yeah, that's a really bad name. That is that is actually an exquisitely bad name. The doll, the doll who had his mother is amazing. Um, yeah, flew, he flew too close to the sun with the face he must die. <laughs> Ramsey Campbell, you stink, uh, and if you're dead, your family sucks. What up? Oh my God. <laughs> Come get us. <laughs> okay, all right. So this film, like I said, it was made in uh, 1999, but weirdly... Mm. It got bought by Miramax, but then they didn't actually release it in English language countries until 2005. And only then they released it to home video. So I like to be optimistic and say maybe it was a bit dark and they were like, we can't put this into cinemas and mm. we're just going to have to do a home release. And that was the thought. Mm. But anyway, let's dive into this. So yeah. this is The Nameless and it begins with the 
gruesomely mutilated body of a girl that's found in a manhole by Spanish police. Sorry, like, I mean, hey, yep. like... Cool, horror this, movies, it's like, fucking, yep. This podcast, <laughs> it, it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> now, the parents of the missing six-year-old Angela Gifford, so not only is it a mutilated body of a girl, it's a mutilated body of a six-year-old, Angela Gifford... So the parents, local editor Claudia and her British husband Mark, are duly notified. The identification is only deemed possible thanks to a bracelet and a four-centimeter leg-length discrepancy because all other identifying traits are missing and the body shows needle insertions and acid burns, apparently inflicted anti-mortem, which means before death. (coughs) Okay. So that's the beginning of The Nameless. So then five years later, Claudia is still haunted by the tragedy. She's living alone, addicted to tranquilizers, and stalked by her possessive ex-boyfriend, Tony. When I, I, I was reading through the Wikipedia synopsis before this, and I was like, that's almost too much. Like, yeah, like, like this movie is like seven, if seven lost any levity it had by having, you know, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt in it. Yeah, like, okay. it's just dark and brutal the whole way through. What is it? Dr- like, drug addiction, divorce, dead, ch- dead, tortured child with identity not absolutely clear. Yeah, okay, so just the mm. worst possible life, all right? And stalked by a possessive ex-boyfriend. But then here's the kicker, right? Because mm. I guess that setup <laughs> is important. Okay, the kicker's still coming. <laughs> no, okay. no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Because that setup's important because one day she receives a desperate phone call from someone identifying herself as her presumed dead daughter and begging to be rescued. Okay. So she's at her absolute lowest and then she gets this phone call. So for me, I like that setup because, well, then it's, completely believable that not only would she believe this that and number two it would become basically her entire life's mission yes yes she'd cling to it desperately so intrigued by the resemblance to angela's voice and the mention of a seaside location where she used to take her daughter claudia visits the site the nearby deserted clinic reveals grotesque angelic imagery and an orthopedic boot ostensibly left for her to find Claudia contacts Masera, the detective who probed into Angela's disappearance. Despite his recent discharge from the force, he agrees to investigate. I'm having fun. We've got all the pieces in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's a good, like, as brutal as that start is, it's actually kind of not that much more brutal than pretty much every English crime show anyway. Yeah, I know. It's like Luther's like, hey, it's a sex done, torture, kill thing. Like, <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Fuck, like, the new Luther, it's like, oh, we, we're a couple that loves torturing people. It's like, what the fuck? And like, one of them's like, I like to drink the blood. And it's like, fuck, like, fuck like, what am I doing here? <laughs> it's like, and then it's like, BBC. Yeah. <laughs> One of them has like just a water pistol that sprays acid in people's faces. It's like, oh, what's up? <laughs> it's like fucking hell. Like this is really intense. Anyway, okay, all right. Back to the nameless. So, mm. so Masira, who's the detective, his research lends credibility to the hypothesis that Angela is still alive, since a girl with similar characteristics disappeared around the same time and could have been used to fake Angela's death. A visit to a Jesuit expert. Wow, second Jesuit appearance in two Freaking weeks. Hell. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Coincidence? 
<laughs> a visit to a Jesuit expert in the Pontifical University uncovers a bizarre cult called the Nameless. It was first documented in Liverpool in 1962 and was led by an Argentinian expatriate called Santini whose scientific approach to ponerology, which is the study of evil, went far beyond the activities of his original London occult circles. He believed in absolute evil and the path to reverse sanctity through heinous acts. He also advocated radical ego stripping to the point of losing one's name, thus the nameless. Now, Santini was arrested in 1982 for raping and mutilating two children. <clears throat> His project had links to the Thule Society, which is the society of, like, occultist Nazis. Like, this... This film, there is no thing this film won't touch. And an accomplice of his, a neurologist from the Dachau concentration camp, was later released for lack of evidence. Okay, yep. So this movie has literally everything. So Claudia and Macera cross paths with occult tabloid journalist Kuroga, who receives a videotape labelled with Claudia's phone number. It contains a snuff film featuring a young female victim, followed by surreptitious footage of Claudia visiting the derelict clinic. Fearing for her safety and sanity, Claudia spends the night in Masira's apartment. Their bond deepens when she learns he was widowed the previous year and is as despondent as herself. So they're both like super lost. And this, I guess this mystery gives their life purpose again. Mm. Now, meanwhile, she still has this unhinged ex-boyfriend, Tony. Now, he's approached in a bar by a hideously disfigured man whose stare had disturbed Claudia in an earlier scene. Classic Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm like, oh, sorry, we, <laughs> we should have told you about the earlier scene. <laughs> now, this stranger eggs Tony on to entering her apartment uninvited and is joined by accomplices as they leave. Yep. Claudia and Masera further like investigating this, this cult visit Santini in prison. His already disturbing countenance is compounded by a skin disease inoculated during his forceful internment in Dachau. He speaks to Claudia in riddles, obliquely mentions his acquaintance with Angela, recounts his confinement in a cobalt capsule in Dachau and extols evil and suffering as sources of enlightenment. Claudia's pleas elicit his enigmatic advice to find Angela where it all began. It soon becomes apparent that Santini's followers are still active. Upon returning to her apartment, Claudia and Macera find Tony butchered along with another cryptic message. Well, at least that's one problem solved for for Claudia. She's like, well, fucking all right. Now I can focus more on... So looking up. Yeah. <laughs> So this is this is where things get pretty like and keep it like this this movie is just relentless and brutal but this is where things just take another turn. Oh Christ. Okay. So the trail leads to the now abandoned hotel where Angela was conceived, thereby unveiling Santini's mysterious Sorry, sorry the hotel oh, hotel where she was conceived. Sorry. I just had yeah. I, that my head's still in that clinic from earlier. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Shut up, bitch. Which, which sometimes I'm kind of a bit like, like unless you were staying there for a long time, how can you be like a hundred percent certain that that was a the like? I'm always happened there. Yes, yeah. I'm always surprised when people are like, I know where you were conceived. It's like how it was Jack, such a blur. Um, as an experienced sexual partner, <laughs> um, 
some couples have sex more or less often than other couples, and so it makes it easier to <laughs> to nail nail down individual events. I just offer you that wisdom <laughs> for whatever benefit it grants you. But anyway, also Santini's mysterious clue. He's like, go back to where it all began with Angela. It's like, okay, well, where she was conceived. Good. <laughs> Not that mysterious a clue. Well, he might have. He should have just said. It's like, why didn't he just say, go back to where she was conceived? Like, how does he know? Like, how does he? How would even Angela know? Like, this is that's fairly bizarre. Who was she? Why was it common knowledge? Like you, you and I have been friends for 23, 24 years, right? And if someone yes. abducted you, it's like, don't worry, Peach. Like, Shag is at where he was conceived. So just go there and you'll <laughs> save the entire... You'll save the day and save everyone. <laughs> I'd be like, well, I feel like I got, no, I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a very intimate detail. But that as you're right, people wouldn't necessarily have a hand, especially the six-year-old. I asked Angela where she was conceived and it was this hotel. And so go back to that hotel. <laughs> like, well, fucking What? <laughs> But anyway, so they go to this hotel. Kuroga, who is the occult tabloid journalist, scouts mm. ahead following indications by the Dachau neurologist but is quickly subdued and killed by cultists. So they're there. Mm. Masira arrives soon thereafter and is murdered off screen. <laughs> Pull one out. Bloody hell. So Claudia is lured there by a phone call from Angela. She's greeted by cult members, including Angela's father. Which then probably explains how they know where she was conceived. I was going to say, where's the fucking English idiot? Yeah. So Mark reveals that everything was planned by the cult. Conceiving Angela, raising her to be pure and innocent, kidnapping and subjecting her to abuse in their quest for a pure evil being, and finally leading Claudia to their den. Claudia confronts her visibly perverted daughter, whose task is now to commit the ultimate atrocity she was groomed and conditioned for, matricide. Mother fucking hell. Yeah, okay. But instead, because you can't control evil, Angela shoots Mark, her dad, through the door and briefly seems to resist the indoctrination before proclaiming she has a plan more sinister than the cult's own. She cynically tells Claudia, I will call you again, which is a pretty cool final line before putting the gun in her mouth and pulling the trigger. Oh, she committed suicide at the end. Yeah, and then in front of her mum and, like, to be like, yeah, and that's the end of The Nameless. Yeah, okay. That's, like, that actually brings a little bit of closure to poor old Claudia. Like, she wouldn't even know where her daughter was, whether she was alive or dead for all these years. She's got rid of the shitty ex-husband. She's got rid of the stalker. Uh, she no longer has to move in these occult circles. There's every chance that things are looking up for Claudia. That's quite an optimistic ending. And and you know what? I I feel like it fits in, this film fits in the tradition of films like Martyrs that's about the pursuit of evil at an almost, you know, philosophical and intellectual level. The idea that you would study it to gain something. This is a good Martyrs companion piece. You're really, really right about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I and I guess for me, I'm like, you know, in in terms of building Kinder, that sort of thread, you know, it's it's a dark place to go, but that sort of thread, I think, is where you need to go to truly take Kinder to a twenty four hereditary, uh, Somerset, uh, Somerset sort of level. Somerset, what am I calling it? What's the, what's the other movie? Midsummer, called? you're trying to say, I think. Midsummer, I was calling it Somerset. <laughs> That's a sequel. Oh. 
<laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> 50 Cent's developing it for TV. <laughs> Everyone's talking about the new Star Wars and Somerset. Like, whatever. F- fuck Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? <laughs>